Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Carmen Jaramillo. Now, Carmen is one of the authors of A Grifter Song. She penned episode number 17, Open Up Your Heart, which takes place uh, in the Chicago area, but also in the Kenosha, Wisconsin area there. And I'll let her tell you why and how uh, that's the case. But before we talk to Carmen, uh, I'd like to remind you that Wrong Place or Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something that interests you, well, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. Well, let's talk to uh, Carmen, who, uh, as I mentioned, wrote the penultimate episode of season three of A Grifter's Song, uh, Open Up Your Heart. Uh, Let's find out a little bit more about her and about this story. Well, hey, Carmen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, So, well, you're here to talk about uh, episode 17 of A Grifter's Song, Open Up Your Heart. And I definitely want to get into what I think is a wonderful story. Uh, but, uh, I think it'd be great for people listening to get to know you just a little bit first. Um, and so, you know, tell me who Carmen is. I, um, I live in Chicago and, uh, I've written about Chicago a little bit. Um, this, uh, this, uh, upcoming episode of a grifter song is, uh, the most, like, uh, I think the longest and most intensive published work I've done on the city. Uh, most of my work has been up to this point. My published work has been a lot of different short stories and flash pieces. Uh, I think I came up through um, what I think a lot of seems like a lot of crime writers lately have done of going through things like flash fiction offensive. I've had a couple of pieces at the um, the very renowned Shotgun Honey, and uh, through some of those works, I've also written about often Panamanian American characters. My uh, father uh, is Panamanian, grew up in Panama, and then came to the U.S when he was a teenager and came here for college. And uh, then I grew up in uh, kind of the one of the suburbs around Minneapolis, basically. Uh, so a lot of my writing has uh, often involved uh, dealing with uh, sort of Panamanian characters. And often, like, I, I myself am a, a white Latinx person. So a lot of my characters are that as well. Uh, some of the sort of dealing with the uh, the weird position of coming from, like, a background of a a lot of privilege, but not always really being cognizant of that. So those have been, those kinds of themes have been uh, something that I've been trying to explore a little bit more in my work. I'm currently working on a novel, um, which I won't get into very much because it's in like early stages, but um, that's uh, trying to get into something longer. But up until now, yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of uh, trying to hone my hone my abilities through flash fiction and through shorter fiction. Well, I think that's a route that a lot of writers took. I, I certainly did, and I've seen a lot of our colleagues and peers doing exactly the same thing. Um, in fact, I read uh, uh, Tu Mejor Amiga uh, before uh, we talked, just to kind of get a flavor for your writing outside of a grifter song, and uh, that was a cool story. Oh, right. I, I dug the twist. It uh, is, yeah, that was, um, and I think they're still doing this of uh, Akashic Books uh, Mondays Are Murder, which I think was kind of inspired by their like their amazing collections of uh, city focused noir works, mm-hmm. and they have um, sort of it would say every Monday it would be a flash piece based heavily on 
something in a city and something that I don't, I haven't seen, I hadn't, at least at that point, I hadn't seen from them much, but I haven't really seen anything in Panama. I have done this a little bit before. Why don't I like write something that is uh, focused on a specific neighborhood in uh, Panama city. So that was uh, yeah. Oh, I remember that one now. Well, and then you had a story in, in a, an anthology that came out uh, fairly recently, Paque Tu Lo Sepas, which yes. um, my Spanish isn't great, but, you know, so that you may know or so that you know, is that a good translation? Uh, just so you know, is, yeah, you generally got the gist of it. Yeah, it's basically just like, just so you know, is what um, kind of the spirit of it, what it would be in English. So, and that was a, a, a charity anthology, wasn't it? To uh, assist with the aftermath of the disaster in Puerto Rico. Yep. Yeah. That This was a project that Angel, uh, that Angel Luis Colon came up with it. He uh, is, he wrote uh, like a hell cho- a great book, Hell Chose Me, which I believe is out from Down and Out Books as well. Um, he came up with that idea and invited a, a bunch of us like the, the, who's frustrated by um, sort of a lack of formal response from the government to Puerto Rico after that, um, after that disaster. So he got a few people together, like, would you be willing to contribute um, to this anthology uh, as a bunch of different uh, Latinx writers? So yeah, I, uh, I got to be in it. I, I was uh, very proud of that. We had um, Hector Acosta was nominated for an Anthony Award for his contribution to that anthology, which was awesome. The anthology oh, as well, wasn't it? You know what? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so that was, um, yeah, Angel, I was, yeah, his, as the editor, yeah, he was nominated for putting that anthology together. Yeah, it was, that was a, I was very proud to be able to be part of that project. Yeah. There were some the, really, really great writers in that. Yeah, it's a great lineup. I think the, I, I think it was nominated, but uh, I think the Malice Domestic one that year, perhaps, I, I could be wrong, but just being nominated for uh, an, Anthony, an Anthony being a finalist, uh, it's one of those awards that truly being a finalist is is a huge honor. If you happen to win, yeah. that's gravy, but uh, just being nominated is is pretty outstanding. Yeah, no, that, that was exciting. I give the, yeah, like, credit to to Angel for that for putting everything together but um yeah just being part of it was was a real thrill. Yeah, he did a great job. Angel's a cool guy. He he's been on the show yeah. uh, a couple of seasons ago and uh was kind enough to have me on his podcast uh the bastard title which I think is yeah, on hiatus yeah. right now. Um but I haven't uh, seen I've listened to a few of those episodes and I haven't seen anything recently either. So, yeah, I guess I'm not sure. It's a really cool long form sort of podcast though. Is, yeah. and, and you just get into that long and meandering conversation that you you hit on all the major points that you would expect with the person you're talking to, but you go down paths hopefully, you know, no one expected and and you know, it's kind of good company to you on a long, you know, nighttime drive on a deserted highway when the rain's coming down, sort of thing, you know. Exactly. Um, but uh, all of that led to uh, you being involved in, uh, in in a grifter song and pending episode 17, uh, Open Up Your yes. Heart, which uh, I was very pleased with as the editor. I thought it was a fantastic story. Oh, um, you. And you came at it, um, as, I, as I've discussed when I've had the other grifters on uh, the show to talk about their episodes, you know, there are foul lines that the authors get to play within but a lot of uh, the options are wide open. And, and one of those options is point of view. Who's going to tell the story? Um, and you went a direction that, that a minority of authors have opted for, and that is to uh, have a uh, 
a point of view that wasn't Sam or Rachel's. Uh, you have another character named Genevieve who uh, is the POV. And so I guess my question for you is what motivated you to, to, to do that and, and to tell us a little bit about Genevieve. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I think a lot of what um, motivated that was fear, in fact, because I there have been so many other writers who had tackled Sam and Rachel and done such great work with them. Uh, when you invited me to be part of this, I was really excited and I got to read a few of the previous episodes. And so I was like, oh, there's a lot of people who are, have already worked on these characters a bit. And I was a little bit nervous about stepping into like that exact position. Like, am I going to actually understand Sam and Rachel the right way? Um, am I, yeah, is, am I going to be able to like kind of follow in the way that they've been developed? It's like, these are like, you know, characters that exist already um, that have been imagined by so many people. They've kind of taken on these positions of their own. And it was in thinking that, that I started to feel like maybe it would, since we, I it was like, I was given the, I was given the option that I've made, would, maybe it would be kind of interesting to see how another person looks at their lifestyle and, um, and what they do. Uh, and I don't know how much of the uh, I'm gonna try and not like give like really give away much of the uh, the actual plot, but um, the idea of, of sort of where I came up with Genevieve was uh, a few months before um, you had invited me. I had kind of come up with this idea of two people, they sort of two, uh, two friends listening to the music of Buck Owens. Um, the, the title uh, "Open Up Your Heart" is um, the name of a Buck is a Buck Owens song, and. Uh, I had kind of recently gotten into his music and just like, I liked how that it's very like corny and unself-aware, but it's so like fun. And the idea was of two people listening to this music and one person being way into it and finding how just like fun and uninhibited it was. And the other person looking at that and being just like, that is so ridiculous. And you're, in a, you're in embarrassing. Why would you like that? It's kind of a Rorsatch um, uh, uh, situation there, isn't it? Like yeah, you that's tell something about the was, person. Yeah, yeah by exactly. Yeah, and I, I didn't know where else to take it. I was like, well, this is an idea that I'll have. I'll write it down, and then I'll maybe do something else with it later. And when I was looking over the um, sort of reading some of these episodes, I was thinking about how this, uh, the how Sam and Rachel reminded me of when I, I like reading. I love reading stories about like real life cons and frauds. Like that is just it is so fascinating to me watching like fire festival just explode over Twitter when it was happening in real time was just like, it was like pornographic to me. I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this happen. But the thing that like always strikes me is that that seems like such an exhausting way to live your life, to like <laughs> construct these elaborate lies and have to follow through with them to the point where you're committing very serious crimes that are going to make a lot of people very angry and having to maintain that for as long as possible. That sounds like it just sounds so exhausting. And so I'm reading about Sam and Rachel and thinking that like, this is like, it's the, they've chosen such a difficult way to live their lives. But the fact that they kind of have each other to like lean on and support them through their bilking people out of money and everything and having to like through their, their false identities and all of that. Um, so that I thought that was like, well, this is kind of an interesting angle. And that was where I kind of came back to that idea I'd had of two people, like one person just getting really into the sincerity of this music and one person pulling back. Mm -hmm. um, and I started, yeah, thinking more about, um, yeah, people like Sam and Rachel having to have to like build these, these identities for themselves that put up these masks and these fronts in front of people. Um, and yeah, somewhere along there, I got in the idea of like, what if the Gen I created Genevieve as somebody who is starting out as like a baby grifter? Mm -hmm. She's kind of in it just to have a fun time. She's created this identity for herself and all of these very wealthy friends where she's this wealthy jet setter who has to like carefully hide the fact that she doesn't go anywhere 
and is actually just living over um, over the Wisconsin border and working at one of the uh, many, many cheese stores that are along the, the border. If you've ever gone through Wisconsin, <laughs> like especially the Minnesota and the Illinois border uh, is just full of stores that sell cheese and fireworks, basically. Um, and they're, <laughs> lovely, they're lovely places. That sell, cause the fireworks are illegal in both Minnesota and Illinois. Uh, so they're just, they, but they're legal in Wisconsin. So you just get tons of fireworks at these places and a lot of like really good cheese, really good, um, like uh, the, 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 um, Gen the store that Genevieve works at is loosely based on a real place. There's a lot of them, but there's one in particular I was thinking of called the Mars Cheese Castle, which is just outside of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And it's got like this, it has a giant cheese section. It has a bakery and a, an area full of just like night, like condiments and uh, treats and candies that are made around Wisconsin and around the area. And there's a little, there's a small like tavern um, restaurant attached to the place as well. So Genevieve um, so is a is a budding con artist, and I think we could go maybe one step further without having any spoilers, and and that is to say that, I mean, because every one of these books has a con in it, so that's not really a spoiler. Yes. Um, you elected to go with a, a false front con, and I, I don't you don't have to share the details of how that works in the story, but what's the, what are the mechanics of that for people who don't know what it is? Um, so I, for one, uh, thank you for telling me what the name of it was because I didn't know there was a name for that. Uh, but the way that it works is that, um, the way that the kind of, yeah, that I had set it up was that sort of two people go in, like not being, not who they say they are. Um, or at least in this case, it was people go, who go in and say not who they say they are and collect, collect a payoff face of the person, the mark thinks they're giving their money to, um, something legitimate, but they are in fact giving it to people who are posing as somebody legitimate. And then the, the grifters, the scammers disappear with the money once it's handed over. Um, I'm assuming that's what you're, yeah, uh, what you're yeah. You, yeah. You, you went an extra step with it because yeah. the, the actual event isn't legitimate either. So it's even, even griftier. So yeah, and, and I don't want to give any more away because you've got some good twists and turns in here and some a lot of tension because everybody's lying to just about everybody else and and teetering on the edge of discovery at times. And so it's a it's a good read. Uh the other standout element of this story is it's just beautifully written. I mean, your word choice is very uh it's fun to read. Um Thank I, you. I, when I was reading it, it made me think of uh in a strange way, it made me think of the book thief. Um, not because the styles were similar at all, but uh, when my wife, who's a, a English teacher, told me to read the book thief, she said, "You know, the the story's good, but the writing is just beautiful. You'll enjoy reading it; it'll sound good on your ears." And and she was right; it, it was a good story, and it did sound good on the ears. So, I mean, and, and that just appears to be your style, because when I read the the, the short story, it, it was it was very much in the same mold. Oh, thank you. That's that's good to hear since I, I'm an extremely slow writer. And uh, so it's good to know that like, even though it takes me forever to finish something, it's at least worth reading by the end of it. There are days when I'm getting out like one sentence per hour because I cannot figure out how to set each sentence up. Um, then there are times where I'm doing research for three hours just to make sure that like the road, like I, I, when, I need to like double check if like this road actually ends where I think. And then it takes me forever to figure it out. I was like, all right, I spent three hours figuring it out. My question is answered. My one sentence is finished. So <laughs> that's interesting. I, yeah, everybody's process is different. I, I have talked to other writers, both on the show and then obviously in private conversations, who are similar in that regard. That would cripple me. I, I find the same thing happening, even like this morning. And and I I just have to tell myself, you know, forget it, fix it later, move on. Otherwise, I I would I'd, I'd have one sentence uh, in four hours at times, and it would just drive me crazy. Yeah, no, it's. It, 
I, I wish I could be, yeah, my, sometimes I don't, my concentration's bad. Yeah. And I wish I could be, yeah, like more of, um, like I, I, what I envy about people who can do, uh, like the pantsing style is just like how free it sounds when they write. It's like, oh, I'll just like write for, I'll write for a few hours, like a thousand words, like 2000 words. And I'm like, I wish that I could do it. Like, like feel that kind of uninhibited when I write. That sounds like, that, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, I think it's like admiring somebody though, whose lifestyle is, you know, like, oh, they're, they're just a free spirit or whatever. And and then if you went and actually tried it, you'd be miserable, you know? So it's one of those grass is greener sort of things, I think. Yeah, that, that could be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, your process works for you. So whoever you are, if your process is working for you, you know, yeah. I'm not saying don't experiment, but when you find what works, that's what's right because it works and that's the test. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but when we're talking about writing process here, um, this was a little bit of a different project uh, than your average, like the short stories you've done in the past. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, you've written for anthologies, so there's been some guidelines. There were probably more rules, if you will, uh, to this project than most. Was that something that you liked? Was that something that was difficult to deal with? Was it helpful? Did it slow you down? Did it speed you up? Um, no, I actually didn't find it to really be a problem. I feel like you've given a lot of latitude to the different writers um, who have been part of the series because like, everybody's turning out something that's quite different and feels like kind of unique to them. So the fact that I was given like two, I was you know, given like two characters and they have an established backstory, but beyond that, I can kind of work around, especially that was sort of another reason why I wanted like, well, I'll take another character who's a point of view character and then work from there because then it feel, and then it was easier for me to um, talk about these people who already exist if I took the position of some of the, somebody on the outside. So I could then sort of put them, put these two, you know, these two characters are fully realized. And I just put them in a location that I'm really familiar with in Chicago. And I create another character who knows all of the ins and outs of the city and the area around the city and some of the um, uh, sort of different aspects of, of city life and city politics and social issues. Having yeah, these two established characters move around in that world was not really that much of a, not, I wouldn't, I didn't call it a hint at all. I, I liked it. It was, it was kind of exciting to work with. Cause I, yeah, I guess I, I hadn't done anything like that before. I was, a lot of my guidelines before had been, uh, you know, you need to stick within this like very general vague theme or like, or you just need to have it in like the, uh, the, um, or something. yeah, it's like with the Akashic book, it books, it was like the requirement is that it has to be in one neighborhood of a city and it's gotta be like unique to that neighborhood. But there's a lot of options within that. So I approached a grifter song, yeah, in the same way that like I need to have these two characters in it. They need to be a big part of it. But beyond that, I can just kind of think about what grifting and scamming could look like could look like for me. Well, like the other authors uh, that have done this, you brought your own distinct voice to this to this story. And uh, like I said, I, re I really enjoyed it. And it's packaged nicely. The Zach McCain covers for this series are just. Uh, amazing and he did another oh i love job. that cover so much <laughs> i know everybody, everybody has a really great cover and i think it's just because I, like i know what's in my story that i saw that and i'm like it's completely perfect <laughs> even the angle the angle of the sears tower is at like at like the uh, such a great position too like the position in the seat the photographer is standing in this and the coloring is so good i was i was so happy with that cover um, so, yeah. uh, a grifter song, episode 17, open up your heart. That one's dropping, uh, on May 1st. What's, what's next for you? What do you have? What else do you have coming up? Uh, so in the immediate future, I am in, uh, an anthology that Colin Conway is editing, uh, the eviction of hope, which you are in as well. And there's yeah. a 
So there's a lot of other great writers in that lineup as well. So I was very happy to be uh, to be able to be part of that. Um, so that's going to be out in, uh, I want to say May 15th. Um, and there's another project that I don't think has been formally announced, but that I am also extremely happy to be a part of. So. Yeah, that Eviction of Hope uh, anthology that comes out in May is a real star-studded lineup. Yeah, that was a, that was yeah another interesting project where you're you're given like the general framework of something. I'm just like you're given like a building, and then you just like create the characters around the building. It was uh, that was a really um, really interesting project to be a part of. I was very like, yeah very happy to get to be a part of it. I love all of the different kinds of stories that you can tell with crime fiction, and I love like the way that you can examine uh, like the diff- all the diff- the weird like little seams and slip ups in society. Like you, like that you can go through it with a through a cr- like the lens of crime, where you can make an exciting story, but also examine these at things of inequality and injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's one of the things that I noticed is, especially as uh, when I was a younger reader, is that like a lot of there's a lot of like really great crime, but it focuses on men. And not to say that like there's, it wasn't that I wanted like the woman's version of the story, but I wanted to be able to, ha- I wanted like what I, I was reading these books and like, I just want to have like a woman doing these same things instead of having to see them be like relegated to the sidelines a lot. And I think a lot of writers, like a lot of women writers came up that way. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, especially when I was writing my first stories, that was what I was focusing on is just like, I wanted to like have the same kind of story, but I just want to be able to have a woman protagonist doing it. And I wanted to kind of take it, take a look at the ways that you can sort of like change, change gender a little bit and to tell like a slightly different story or like just the same story in a different way and give a different experience just like have like, you know, women as people looked at in more of like a human lens rather than as a woman lens, if that makes sense. Uh, I've also like been reflecting a lot on, yeah, on the experience of being uh, Latinx or Latino and also being white and how that puts you into like a slightly different position than and, like the, the, um, the Latino experience in the United States is so complicated and, uh, so different depending on like where you're uh, like how that your family came to the United States under what circumstances and how much money you had beforehand. Like I'm the child of somebody who came like from a middle-class upbringing in Panama and then was able to like had that advantage coming in, worked really hard, but came from uh, like, cause came, like I said, came to the U S to go to college. Um, and so my experience has been very different from people who came uh, and who like live under very different sets of circumstances. And it's given me a lot of like, it given me a lot of privileges. And I see a lot of other uh, like white Latino people who don't often realize the kind of privileges that they have just by virtue of being white. So that's, that was a big theme in my story um, in the Paquetulo Sepas anthology was looking at that and the ways that even as a Latino person, how Western imperialism continues to benefit you. That's something that I want to um, to keep exploring. So that's that was the I, I at least I personally feel more equipped to talk about inequality through narratives and sort of through um, my own experiences anyway. So that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm hoping to be able to do. Uh, well, the author is uh, Carmen Jaramillo. The book is episode 17 of A Grifter Song, Open Up Your Heart. And Carmen, and I've been looking forward to chatting with you. And I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is this has been so cool. All right, folks, there you are. Carmen Jaramillo uh, had a good time talking to her. Interesting woman. Uh, on our next episode, we are going to talk to Matt 
Fitzpatrick. And if that sounds a little bit Irish and a little bit Boston, well, you are on the nose. Uh, Matt writes uh, novels that he describes as Boston grit. I'll let him tell you what that means when we get to that episode, but uh, that is next week on Wrong Place, Right Crime. Frank Zafiro news for you. Uh, in a couple of weeks, the Colin Conway edited anthology, The Eviction of Hope, will come out. Uh, I have a story in there called The Rumor in 411, but if you look at that roster, you are going to see some heavy hitters. People like Joe Clifford, Tom Pitts, Holly West, uh, Carmen Jaramillo, and several more. Uh, So that comes out uh, on May 18th. It is available for pre-order now. The Eviction of Hope, edited by Colin Conway. Check it out. Uh, I want to say thanks to Carmen for coming on the show. Uh, to Down and Out Books for sponsoring. And of course, to you, the listener, thanks for being here every week. Uh, Hopefully you'll be here next week when we talk to Matt Fitzpatrick. Until then, this is Frank Zaffaro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. (laughs) 